Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. This episode features the mystery short story, A Christmas Trifle, a Meg Langslow story by Donna Andrews. It's read by local actor Ariel Lynn. A Christmas Trifle was originally published in Homicidal Holidays, 14 Tales of Murder and Merriment by Wildside Press in June of 2014. Meg Langslow, the hero of Donna Andrews' long-running humorous mystery series from Minotaur Books, is an ornamental blacksmith. She has no real ambition to be an amateur sleuth. But when her friends and relatives have a problem, they generally turn to her to fix it. Especially her father. A semi-retired doctor who loves reading mysteries and is never happier than when he's involved in a real-life case. Meg's husband, Michael, a drama professor, is the same balance to her large and sometimes eccentric family. I spent almost a minute beating the alarm clock before realizing the ringing came from the phone. Yeah, I said, hoping I was holding the receiver right side up. Meg! This is an emergency. How soon can you get here? Who is this, and where is here? Okay, so I wouldn't win any charm contests at 6 a.m. I'm not used to being awake at that hour, much less coping with emergencies. It's Aunt Rose, and I need you right away. Someone has tried to poison Stanley. I should have known. These days, my whole family seemed to think I was some kind of... Female Sherlock Holmes. Have you called the police? I asked, sitting up and shoving the hair out of my eyes. They won't do anything, Aunt Rose said. We need you. All right, I'll get there as soon as I can. I hung up the phone inside. I already had plans for the day, and Aunt Rose wasn't part of them. What's going on? The main object of my now postponed Friday plan stuck his head out from under the comforter, blinking sleepily. Aunt Rose was on the phone, I said. Apparently Uncle Stanley is visiting and she thinks someone has tried to poison him. I remember Uncle Stanley, Michael said, yawning. The judge, the one who threw us that nice party when we got back from our honeymoon. I don't remember meeting an Aunt Rose. Well, now's your chance. Got dressed, I said, grabbing a sweater from the floor. I promised her I'd go over right away. Since Aunt Rose lived in Richmond, an hour's drive away, even without Friday rush hour traffic, right away took longer than I liked. Don't worry, Michael said for the hundredth time as he navigated the quiet streets of Aunt Rose's neighborhood nearly two hours later. I'm sure Uncle Stanley will be all right. We'll figure out what's wrong. I hope so, I said. There! That's her house! Which one? End of the block, I pointed, with the snowman in the yard. Michael gave me an odd look. Normally, there is nothing odd about having a snowman in your yard, except that it was only mid-October, and it hadn't snowed yet. For that matter, the last two winters had been exceptionally mild, and it had been a good thirty months since we had enough snow to make a snowball much less the enormous snowman gracing Aunt Rose's lawn. It's not real snow, I said. I suspected as much. Part of her holiday decorations. Really? He was getting that look again. 
that look that made me wonder if Aunt Rose would be the last straw, if she would be the crazy relative who finally made him sit up and say, Meg's whole family is absolutely bonkers. What have I let myself in for? Is it too late to get an annulment? She really goes all out, doesn't she? Was what he eventually said. Apart from the snowman, we saw a life-size wooden nativity scene one of the cousins had carved and painted, with more enthusiasm than skill, the bright red sleigh with its eight reindeer perched on the roof, and, of course, sticking out of the chimney, a fairly realistic set of legs with polished black boots attached, as if Santa had taken a nosedive down the flue chimney. More reindeer grazed on the lawn, including one with a red light bulb blinking where his nose ought to be, Another enterprising cousin had transformed several dozen garden gnomes into elves to create a detailed Santa's workshop tableau. Fur garlands and red bows decked the picket fence. A wreath the size of a truck tire graced the front door. Electric candles stood on the inside windowsills with glass ornaments hanging above them. Aunt Rose hadn't turned on the lights, but I could tell that every tree in the yard was wired from root to crown, and the eaves were dripping with those new icicle-style lights. Wait till you see the inside, I said. Michael smiled. He thought I was kidding. I watched his jaw drop when the door swung open. The hull alone contained enough evergreen garlands to strip a 20-foot spruce, had they not been made of plastic, several miles of velvet ribbon, and a small artificial Christmas tree. An elaborate concoction of bells, blinking lights, and mistletoe dangled from the chandelier, and more bells and mistletoe graced each of the three doorways leading out of the hall. The smell of evergreen alone would have been pretty strong. She must have used several cans of holiday air freshener, but it was almost lost in the overpowering reek of cinnamon and spices wafting from the kitchen. I could hear Bing Crosby crooning White Christmas somewhere in the background. Normally, Aunt Rose would have given us an hour-long house tour so we could admire the decorations. Not this time. She barely let us get our coats off before leading us to the problem. Thank God you're here, she exclaimed. I've been worried sick. He's right in here under the Christmas tree. The big one in the living room, she added, seeing Michael glance at the small tree behind her. Under the Christmas tree? What the? It wasn't Uncle Stanley lying under the Christmas tree, but a large gray tabby. The several hundred elaborately wrapped fake presents Aunt Rose usually spread out under the tree had been shoved aside to make a space on the red velvet tree skirt for the cat. This is Stanley? I asked. Yes, she whispered. I'm cat-sitting for my neighbor. She's on a three-month around-the-world cruise. She'll never forgive me if anything happens to him. I frowned at Stanley. An open can of cat food lay by his head, an expensive brand if the small size of the can was anything to go by. He was ignoring it. He was also ignoring the fur mouse, the catnip ball, and the scattering of cat treats lying around him. Hello, Stanley, I said. He raised his head slightly, inspected me briefly, then closed his eyes and slumped back onto the velvet. He just lies there like that, Aunt Rose whispered. Have you... I began... Shh! Aunt Rose said. Let's go out in the kitchen where we won't disturb him. We tiptoed into the kitchen. The Christmas elves had struck here too. Another tree occupied most of the space on the table, unlike the one in the living room, 
which was an all-purpose ten-foot artificial tree covered with an assortment of ornaments, this was a theme tree. All the ornaments were... edible. My stomach rumbled to remind me that I'd skipped breakfast. I parked Aunt Rose in a chair and sat beside her. I had to crane my neck slightly to see her past the lower branches of the tree. Have you taken him to the vet? I asked. Three times now! He had every test in the book, all negative. We've changed brands on his cat food and his kitty litter. Nothing helps. The vet thinks he's being poisoned. Repeatedly. Tells me to keep him inside. Put away any rat poison. Well, I don't let him go outside. And I wouldn't put down poison for anything. Not even roaches. If I had them. Which I assure you I do not. Any more than I have rats. Oh, the idea. And I haven't let anyone but you in for two days now. Calm down, I said, patting her shoulder. We'll figure it out. How about some tea? That'll make you feel better. I'll make it, Michael said, walking over to the stove and peering into the pot that was steaming on the back burner. Or better yet, how about some of this hot cider Aunt Rose has already? Sounds good, I said. Hot cider? Michael held out two steaming cups. I'll make tea if you prefer. No, I'll take the cider, I said taking a cup from his hand and inhaling the rich cinnamon apple smell. No, don't drink that, Aunt Rose said, springing to her feet. She grabbed my arm, spilling some of the cider. Ouch, I said. Why not? Are you saving it for something? It's not cider. It's a stovetop sachet, she said, taking the cups and bustling over to the stove. You boil it to make the house smell good. You're not supposed to drink it. There's a warning label on the package. Not for human consumption. Do you suppose Stanley got into the air sat cider? Michael asked as Aunt Rose poured the fragrant liquid back into the pot. No, I said. But I bet I know what he's gotten into. I marched back into the living room with Michael and Aunt Rose trailing in my wake. Okay, half of this stuff has got to go, I said. What do you mean? Aunt Rose asked. Poinsettias, poisonous according to Dad, I said, pointing to a dozen flower pots massed on the coffee table. They probably won't kill Stanley. That's a myth. But they could give him a serious upset tummy. Has he been sick to his stomach? Oh, yes, Aunt Rose said, repeatedly, all over the presents. Did the poinsettias show feline tooth marks on their lower petals? Hard to tell. Even if they didn't, there were plenty more elsewhere in the house. I could see several dozen white ones through the dining room arch. Mistletoe, also poisonous, I said, pointing to the mantle. To people, at least, can cause convulsions in children when they eat it. The hollyberries, toxic. Also, those beautiful white lilies, deadly to cats. And I'm not quite sure, but I think that red cyclamen and all those beautiful red amaryllises are poisonous, too. Your dad's the expert on poisonous plants, Michael said. Maybe we should call him. He'd only say the same thing, I said, that we should start getting rid of all these dangerous plants. Oh, my Christmas plants, Aunt Rose wailed. She was glaring at Stanley. Just until your neighbor reclaimed Stanley, I said. That's not till after New Year's, Aunt Rose said. We'll sew them upstairs in your guest rooms for the time being. It took over... An hour, but we'd emptied the downstairs of toxic plants. Stanley lay watching us with his ears laid back. 
About the time we dragged the last poinsettia upstairs, he condescended to stagger to his feet and nibble a bit of his cat food. See, Michael said, he's better already. Tired of being ignored was my diagnosis. Our efforts might prevent a reoccurrence of the problem, but they couldn't have cured Stanley that fast. Clearly, Stanley was the feline equivalent of a drama queen. Or maybe he shared my impatience with Aunt Rose's over-the-top observance of Christmas. Now, keep your eyes open and make sure he stays out of the guest rooms, I said aloud as Michael and I were pulling on our coats. Ten more weeks, Aunt Rose said, looking around. A whole holiday season! My poor house! The house looked worlds better, if you asked me. Less like an overstocked Christmas boutique. I decided it wouldn't be tactful to say so. Cheer up, Michael said. This gives you a great excuse not to cat-sit in the future. Or dog-sit, for that matter. Hmm, Aunt Rose said, looking over her shoulder at Stanley, who was eyeing her red velvet couch as if to assess its suitability as a scratching post. That's true. Thank you for coming, Meg. I knew you'd crack the case. No problem, though Dad could have done the same thing. Or your vet, if he did house calls. Aunt Rose stood on her doorstep, waving to us as we got into the car. You know, I said as I started the engine, there was an easier solution. I just couldn't bring myself to suggest it. Nothing that would hurt Stanley, I hope. Of course not. We could have volunteered to keep Stanley, I said. Maybe we still should. We both like cats. I wouldn't mind if we got one someday. Aunt Rose would feel so much better if she could put her plants back. And there's nothing in our miserable little basement apartment that would poison for Stanley. Not yet, Michael said. But there will be. He reached behind the seat and pulled out a paper bag. I swiped a good deal of mistletoe while we were undecorating, he said, tucking a sprig of it behind my ear. I'm sure we can find something interesting to do with it for the rest of the weekend. I glanced in the rearview mirror. Aunt Rose stood in her doorway, still waving at us. Stanley was sitting in one of the windows, eyeing the fragile-looking glass ornament dangling over his head. I saw him draw back his paw and bat the ornament off its mooring. I probably only imagined hearing the delicate tinkle of breaking glass, but I definitely wasn't imagining Aunt Rose's shriek of horror. Yes, I said. Stanley will definitely have more fun with Aunt Rose. This reading of A Christmas Trifle was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. You can learn more about the Meg Lanslow books and the author on her website, DonnaAndrews.com. Check out Kings River Life Magazine's websites for more mystery, local theater, animal rescue, and so much more. KingsRiverLife.com and KRLNews.com. For more mystery podcast fun, check out It Was a Dark and Stormy Book Club. The book club is run by three women, Anne Dark, Tracy Storm, and Kathy Knight. And they're on a quest to find the next great mystery authors. They love finding hidden gems that would normally be overlooked, and they also have a monthly series interviewing more established authors that they call In Agatha's Footsteps. 
New episodes drop every Tuesday, and you can listen to them on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, or any of the major podcast venues, or visit their website at itwasadarkandstormybookclub.com. They're also on Facebook at Dark and Stormy Book Club and on Twitter at DarkStormyBC. Now we'll be back next time with another mystery short story or mystery first chapter. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And follow us on Twitter to keep up with everything KRL at Kings River Life. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate or review it as this helps make us easier to find. Until next time, this is your announcer, Jim Tuck, wishing you a life full of mystery. Mystery.